Hello, and welcome to the Autism News Network podcast. My name is Dr. Frampton Gwinnett. I am a psychiatrist at the Medical University of South Carolina. You can follow me on Twitter at Dr. Gwinnett. That's D-R-G-W-Y-N-E-T-T-E and Instagram with the same name. I am joined today by a very special guest named Ben Zerlin, who is here with us today. Hey, Ben. Hi, Dr. Gwinnett. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. And um, we've been working up to this for a while because we are just so excited to hear all the great stuff you're going to talk about today. And um, yeah, I can't thank you enough for doing that on a very rainy and soggy day in Charleston, huh? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, so cool. Well, um, yeah, we were talking just before the air about some of the, the um, your family history. And where, where are you from originally? I'm originally from uh, Dallas, Texas. Okay, so, Dallas, yeah. Texas. And um, for those of you um, who aren't aware, um, Ben was diagnosed with autism um, earlier in life. And when you were growing up in, in Dallas, um, were you aware that you had autism? Well, uh, yeah, so I actually, so I was born in um, 1984. Mm -hmm. uh, so actually, um, I was not diagnosed um, until I think it was like a couple of years ago, mm -hmm. officially diagnosed. Yeah. So, so growing up um, in the eighties, uh, uh, no, I, w I was not, but I had st so many like unusual habits and mannerisms that, that, you know, my parents noticed, my teachers noticed, and they just, there was no explanation at that time. So. So like when I went into preschool, I got started preschool when I was like three years old. So this would have been, you know, 86, 87. Sure. And my teachers noticed that I was um, different from everyone else in like very noticeable ways. Like for example, when we were, they would give us, they would hand out a, a sheet for us to color. They'd give us like a 30 minute session to like color a page. Yeah. And all the other kids would just kind of color everything in really fast with the with the crowns yeah, or crayons. scribble it in. Yeah, yeah, and you know they'd use different colors and stuff. But I would sit there and do each little section and try to make it perfect. Yeah. So by the time the thirty minutes came, ran up, I would only have about ten percent of the picture colored in, and everyone else would have the whole thing. Yeah. And my teacher actually complained to my parents <laughs> saying that I needed to like go faster because mm -hmm. I'm turning in a picture that has like you know if it's like a person it'll be like their right arm is colored in and that's it or something yeah. it's like I would just ha if I, I couldn't get out stand being outside the lines so you were very meticulous and really preoccupied yeah, yeah. and another thing is that um, I mean there's a lot of examples I could give but like another thing is like I remember um we had like a small library at this preschool I went to. It was actually at a private school. Mm -hmm. And I remember um, they they told us we could uh, check a book out. And I picked out a, um, a history book that was like for like, the, I think like first grader. Cause it was like, a, it was like yeah. went all the way up to elementary school. So I picked out like a, I wanted to uh, check out the history book, even though I didn't know how to read. Yeah, so it wasn't um, Dr. Seuss or some other kid's book. You were picking out a book it, for... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I, I mean, I had... I li It's not that I didn't like Dr. Seuss or anything. I mean, I, liked, I, mean, I had had those books up, you know, up, to, up to that age, but I just, like, 
I wanted to go through and like look at the pictures. It had like a lot of like Native American history, like the book that I picked. And yeah. I was like looking at the pictures and like hunting buffalo and stuff and yeah. like kind of pretending like I could read, even though I couldn't, like looking at the words and just like going through and, and looking at the letters, even though I didn't, I couldn't actually read, yeah. but I was like pretending I could read because it excited me to the idea of being able to read. Yeah. So, my, but my teachers like, thought that was like really strange uh -huh, <laughs> that I was yeah. sitting there with this book and like trying to read or something it was yeah like, yeah so your interests were different than other kids yes, right from the start yes and uh -huh. also I I started getting bullied like almost immediately uh, uh -huh. starting in preschool but it was like I didn't even realize I was being bullied because uh -huh. like I and I remember like uh like really specific story is um like there were these two <clears throat> these actually yeah i think it was two kids two other kids and we would have recess outside and like i would play with these two these two kids and i remember their names but i'm not gonna like say their real names sure so I'll, you know i'll just yeah we'll protect the <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean yeah so um but we would uh play during recess and we would be like you know just, we were like this is like we were like three years you know three or four years old so very young mm -hmm. and we would be running around in like circles you know just like just that kind of playing you know yeah not like not like playing like an actual sport or or like on a swing set or just we would just be like kind of goofing around type of playing right but they would be pushing me down on the on the ground and like laughing and they would do this and like this would be like every day and I thought that was like us playing. Like I thought that was normal. Yeah. But they were like ganging up on me and like, just like like I would stand up, I would get up again, and then they would like run around me and like push me down again. Yeah. And and it was like that for like it was like every day. And that I I remember like I remember not understanding that that wasn't normal or there was like anything wrong with that. Yeah. And they were like, like like laughing at me. But and then after after preschool, like at, when my uh, my dad would pick me up a lot of the time and he would ask me like what I did uh, and, and he would ask me he would always like usually would ask me who who I played with yeah and I would tell him oh I played with these two kids and that's all I would say yeah I wouldn't say oh and they they kept pushing me to the ground and laughing I wouldn't say that I would just say I played yeah. with this with so and so yeah and the teachers and, weren't really picking up on what was no happening. no I don't yeah. I, if they know I don't remember them ever noticing or caring yeah yeah but so, just you know they did they wouldn't like they didn't you know i mean they weren't like punching me or <laughs> with their yeah. fists but they were like pushing me pushing me around and like throwing pushing me to the ground and stuff so yeah, yeah. so so even then there were signs that i mean that's really hurtful to go through that and all these years you can still remember what happened yeah i remember it like really clearly yeah yeah um did were you like sad at that point about it or no just, i yeah. i did at that point i didn't even understand what was going on yeah it, but when I got, I, I would say, I, I would say um, probably as I got a little bit older, I, I would I would understand what like that I was being bullied. Mm -hmm. Maybe like a couple of years later, maybe when I was like five or six. Yeah. But at that, at like three or four years old, I didn't understand that that's what was happening. Right. And how did you do like in elementary school and middle school? really badly <laughs> really badly mm -hmm. um well i started out in, in private school because uh, i went to the preschool and i continued and this was like a this was kind of like a private religious type school 
Yeah. Um, so they did, uh, they did sort of have us like, you know, looking like, I don't, yeah, there was some of that. Like there was like prayer, like we would like read the, like uh, say a prayers in the morning and things like that, yeah. like before class. So it was that type of private school. Um, and I, I the kid, the, the kids that went to that school tended to be a little bit, uh, their like a lot of them had like kind of wealthier families, not mm-hmm. maybe not even necessarily like super wealthy or anything, but, um, but you know, it, it was like, um, I th- I think like. So so I guess let me just skip ahead and just say I, I think that because I eventually went to public school, and I do think the pul- the bullying at public school was much worse than when I went to private school. Okay. So I know it's kind of skipping ahead, but but because at the private school, even though the kid, even though I was teased and made fun of and stuff, um, I do think that the I do remember kids making an effort at times to be to try to be nice to me. It's yeah. like not all the time, and it depended on who who it was. I mean, there were some kids that were that were just mean mm-hmm. mean spirited and then there were other kids that you know tried not to be mean if they mm-hmm. you know i could tell they i could remember but like during recess i w- they everyone was playing football because i mean it was texas and f- football yeah. is like really big in texas and i i couldn't i, I was terrible quickly yeah. uh realized i was terrible at sports and and all the kids were on sports teams so i would I, I joined the teams because everyone did it, but I was so bad at it that it was just, yeah, yeah so it was horrible. You, you found yourself, it sounds like, being excluded I was lot. excluded, a, yeah, a lot, and um, unless unless it was, like, something where the entire class was being invited, like, for a birthday party, mm-hmm. I, I usually wouldn't be invited unless oh, it was, yeah. like, the entire, you know, class or something. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and so growing up, did you have a lot of, like, sleepovers or get-togethers with friends or was it kind of lonely i did yeah i mean when i well when i was at the private school i did have some some sleep like like a some sleepovers but my parents like would set up with the other parents yeah and it depended on like i remember i remember a couple of them were okay but i remember like this this one kid i i wanted to (laughs) yeah all i wanted to do i wanted to like like play video games with him yeah this would have been like back in the early 90s 90s, yeah and he wanted to go we we there were some other kids in our class that lived nearby that were within walking distance and he wanted to walk over there and play football with them and i didn't want to so he Mm -hmm. got mad at me i remember that like he was that he was sleeping over and he didn't want to do what i wanted to do yeah that's hard because you find yourself even mm. at the own your own sleepover being excluded. I had that. no no interest in in sports. I yeah. hated I hated it. Like, um, I, I really I've never liked playing sports. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I think people don't yeah. realize that you know sports or other yeah. activities can be such a big part of how we socialize and make friends. You know, um, I use an example um, that I recently got together with some high school friends. You know, I've been out of high school for almost thirty years now, mm-hmm. but. Um, when I got together with some friends to go to a concert last summer in Chicago, as I was flying home, I realized that we had all played baseball together. And even though I haven't played baseball in 30 years, you know, the reason that we became friends was partly because we played baseball. And thinking, like you said, like if you're not part of the sports teams or other activities, the friends just don't come, you know? Yeah. 
and I and I was and and the thing is is that I was on the teams at least when I was in private school because mm-hmm. because ev- like pretty much every single boy was on the team at this private school yeah. but I was I was awful like at the sports so it was just a miserable experience I would always get um sit I would just be like either sitting on the bench or playing a position where I would just be standing there the whole time mm-hmm. or, yeah. or not not actually like getting it, you know doing anything with the ball or yeah. actually contributing to the and you know the kid's parent I remember one kid at one point telling me that his parent like during a basketball game like his parents were were laughing at me because during the game I was I wasn't able to keep up with running because you know in basketball you have to switch sides yeah. of the court yeah. you know back running. and forth yeah. and I, w- I was just I was like not able to keep up like with the running back yeah. and forth I was like going really slow yeah uh, so his, he, he told me his parents were like laughing at me to, during the game yeah did those types of experience I mean I'm gonna put my psychiatrist yeah. hat on but does make you like sad like at the time or it makes me I mean there's a part of me that wishes I could have like stood up for myself mm-hmm. a little bit more but that's I would say that's really because I really never really stood up for myself too much um, yeah uh, um, you know if I could go back I would just say you know I'm not playing sports I'm, I'm sorry but I don't care if all the other kids are doing it I just that's what I wish I yeah but at the time I, I didn't do that I just wanted to do it I, I didn't want to be the only kid in the school not on the sports teams right <laughs> exactly you're trying to be <clears throat> trying to participate and be social and um, it sounds like that was a tough road mm-hmm. yeah so then you kind of get through how was high school well I went to so I went to a military academy yeah uh, I start I went to two different schools I started uh, in eighth grade and went to a military school in Missouri for eighth and ninth grade and then I transferred to a different school in Indiana from 10th to 12th grade. Okay. And why'd you go to military school? Well, um, the last year that I, I went to, so I, it, so I went, I was in public school at that point, And the last year I did that was seventh grade. Okay. And it, so that's the year where I started to have like pretty severe depression. Mm-hmm. And I started losing motivation and I stopped you know, up until seventh grade, I was doing my homework. I was, you know, trying to do well in my classes. Yeah. Even though I I, ne- I was having st- st- trouble with bullying because I switched to public school in fifth grade. Yeah. So fifth and sixth grade, I was also in public school, and I was having trouble with bullying and things like that, being picked on. But I was still, you know, participating in classes. But in seventh grade. Um, you know the bullying I would say actually got a little bit better in seventh grade because it was in a bigger they had a it was like a junior high so there was like a it was I was able to kind of like disappear more yeah and not be noticed as much like safety in numbers yeah Yeah. and so I was able to just really be quiet and not uh, be noticed as much but I started to to suffer from like pretty severe depression and um, and my parents actually had me going to see a psychologist Mm. At, the, at that age, so I was about 12, 13 years old. Yeah. And it just continued to get worse until, you know, I wasn't doing my homework. I was just filling in, like during my tests, I, I was just filling in answers yeah. just randomly, didn't even care. Wow. And um, 
barely uh, passing some of my classes or not passing them at all. So that was probably the main reason why mm-hmm. they and 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 I wasn't di you know and this was still um, I was diagnosed with um, I believe I was diagnosed with like depression yeah uh, like bipolar um, depression and wow so at that point you're depressed and but no one had really you know recognized the autism yet no yeah looking back do you feel like there was a connection between autism and depression for you absolutely yeah absolutely I mean it's I it feel like I feel like if if I was growing up now, it it would have been like extremely obvious mm-hmm. what was happening, like that that was what it was. Yeah. But at that time, um, this would have been in the this would have been around 1997. The, there was not any discussion yeah. about that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. As being a possibility. Yeah, and I think part of it too is. For, you know, the audience can't see you, but you know, from the outside, no one would ever realize that you have autism. You know, it's really going on behind the scenes, and you're smart and you speak well. Yeah. And it, there are many stories that I hear in my practice of people, you know, falling through the cracks or slipping past the radar, and then they wake up one day in adulthood and kind of realize or are told that they have autism. And, and looking back, it like explains a lot. Yeah. For me, um, it was actually a, a very slow, kind of a slow process of realizing it myself before I was officially diagnosed a couple of years ago. Um, I would say I began to start thinking about it when I was in my early to mid 20s. I'm about 35 right now. Okay. Um, so I'd say my early to mid 20s is when I started to think about it. But I, I think that I was in sort of denial about it as well. And I didn't want to, I didn't, like I, I wanted I wanted to be able to, like I, I didn't, like I was afraid of what the, it would mean, like if, you know. Right. Like I wanted to um, to, to go and do, you know, like like I was, I, I wanted to go to like at one point I wanted to go to, to medical school, mm-hmm. and I wanted to do th- things like that, and I just didn't know like, um, I didn't I didn't know what what it would you know facing up to it, but um, you know I, I it got to a like it, it got to a point where I I I just I just knew that I was, and then. I just was afraid to tell anyone about it or yeah. bring it up to anyone. Sure. And there's um, all kinds of reasons. I mean, first yeah. of all, it's private information, but also I think there's a lot of anxiety about telling people and maybe yeah. embarrassment or shame. And then also, like you said, well, if I have autism, then I can't do X, Y, and Z in the future. So if I tell myself I don't, maybe I can still do all those things, you know? And um, yeah, so this is very natural. Yeah. Yeah. Um, was there an experience you had? I think you mentioned like a concert one day where you were at a concert with people and you kind of realized like in terms of being around people and crowds and noise that you were like a fish out of water. Was there one experience you had with that or am I making that up? Um, yeah, I mean, I would say there were probably a, quite a few experiences like that. I mean... I like because I, I have a I have a big a uh, big issue with with being in crowds, <laughs> um, just yeah. in general, um, or being even in a room with like with more than like 
three or four people. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it's people that I know, it's it's easier. But if it's people I don't know, it becomes more difficult. Yeah. But um, like, because I lived uh, in. Uh, the Boston, Massachusetts area before I moved to Charleston okay. f- for work, and I just remember one one instance where I where I went to a um, an outdoor uh, brewery. It was like a it was like a brewery, and yeah. they were having like a an out like a, an event that was under like these large tents. Yeah, and um, and it was from people with from work mm-hmm. that I that I went with. And I remember, and and during this, I it was like a bunch of people packed in very close together, and there was like hardly any room to walk. And I just basically had like uh, pretty much a full like panic attack, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, and like it, I had all like I know that I always tried to avoid those types of situations. Mm-hmm. Like when I was younger, I always would try to avoid being in 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 uh, places where there would be a lot of people, like a lot of crowds. And um, I guess that was just a time where I, I wasn't expecting it to be that way. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. And then I was stuck in this, in this tent and I, and I, I didn't, I mean, I, I had taken like a bus there with other people. So I didn't, I was stuck. afraid. I was kind of stuck there. Yeah. Yeah. That's not a great feeling. So it was the noise level and also like the people just being kind of crunched in like sardines a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And having to stand there and not feel like I don't can't go anywhere else. Right. Being trapped. Yeah. Yeah. And that just caused a lot of anxiety and Yeah. Um I remember like people were trying to talk to me and I was like barely able to respond. Like I wasn't able to just I wasn't able to like talk with people have like a conversation at that mm-hmm. point so I was probably looked very strange to everyone yeah well I think it was very noticeable that I was having some some issues yeah well, um, I mean yeah. if you felt it was noticeable on the inside yeah. it's probably people didn't really realize as much as you experienced you know but um but that's hard because if if social scenes like loud places parties gatherings concerts restaurants if those aren't your you know, strong suit, it can be very isolating. So, yeah. Um, do you remember that one moment, like when you got diagnosed? Um, like, how did it play out in your mind? Like when somebody said, hey, this is what's going on. Like, was it difficult? Well, I already knew. I, I knew. I, I knew, like, I was 100% sure and, in, 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 you know, deep down that I was autistic. Um I think by the time that I that I finally you know came and made the appointments, mm-hmm. um, so I was sure you know within myself at that point. So, so there really wasn't. I mean, there really wasn't a moment where somebody told me I was autistic because I had to come to the realization myself, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of the maybe 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 it's not is that unique, but it's very unique. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, and I mean, when you know when you know you're autistic, you just know. Like, there's nothing mm-hmm. that can change your mind. Like, if somebody tries to tell you you're oh you're you're not autistic, you yeah. you you know that you are. Mm-hmm. Like, because I mean, there's just when you start putting the pieces together, mm-hmm. if you haven't been diagnosed, and you start thinking back on your life, and you start reading, and if you go online and start reading some articles online, mm-hmm. 
and doing a little bit of research, you just know. Yeah. And you, and when when you can come up with like a hundred examples of things, you know, yeah. hundreds of examples. Yeah. Like being, which I could exactly. <laughs> then so, you know, you you know, there's no, there's that's the only explanation. Yeah. And I think that's one of your superpowers is being able to like you Ben have the ability to look inward and observe yourself yeah. and describe your own experience because as a population individuals with autism they struggle to to see themselves you know as a population you know they they um they oftentimes don't are the yeah. best reporters and how they're doing it's interesting cuz i would say that i would say that i probably have developed being able to do that as an adult, as an older adult, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think that like ten years ago, I would, I probably, I don't think I would like this. I wouldn't be able having this same conversation mm-hmm. because at that point, I was, I, I wasn't in the the process of understanding that I had autism when mm-hmm. I was in my early twenties, mm-hmm. and so I wouldn't have been able, like I, I didn't understand, like I didn't understand myself mm-hmm. at that age. It's only, it's only now after all these experiences I've had and struggles and mm-hmm. things that I've been through. And I guess just mature, I mean, you know, uh, you know, adult people with autism grow up and change and mature just like everyone else, just in different ways. I mean, we, we, we all change. Uh, so I'm, I'm not the same person I was 10 years ago, just like any other 35 year old right. isn't the same person they were when they were 25. Yeah. So, so I think this ability to uh, to 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 sort of understand myself and kind of be able to see myself from the outside, looking inwards, is something that I've only developed in like recent years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. And your willingness to share your story and to be so brave has touched. I can tell you so many lives because. You, you came, I guess probably about a, a year ago now, that you came to the Autism News Network to be interviewed by a group mm-hmm. of individuals with autism. Yeah. And um, what was it like being in, in the on the set with the Autism News Network crew? Well, it was really great because I have i don't really get to be around people that are openly autistic, that mm-hmm. are, you know... Because I mean, you might you might be on a bus, and there might like if I, I might be on a bus one day with two or three people that are autistic and not know it, right? Because we're just sitting there going about our daily routines. But yeah. I don't ever meet like in my day to day activity, going to work, coming home. Mm-hmm. I don't meet. I don't interact with anyone who's autistic. Yeah. And this was actually the first time I'd ever interacted with anyone that that was like you know i i'm autistic like yeah. that was known openly yeah we're all sitting in a room together wow so that was the first time ever for me yeah and i'm i was like 34 years old yeah so yeah. so in that way it was it, it 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 actually just made me like i just feel i i've been able to accept myself for who i am like i mm-hmm. like in the past couple of years um and, and just be able to accept that this is how I am and I'm going, you know, I like to spend most of my time alone. Mm-hmm. It's very unusual compared to the population. Right. But that's who I am. Yeah. I can't change that I that I feel safe and at peace when 
when I'm alone and everything is in its yeah. right place and there's no disorder and there's no and that's how in you know that's how I and not feeling anxiety and just being with being in the room with the people with p- other people who are autistic and and seeing how similar I am to them and we're all different but we all have so many similarities and I feel like I have more in common with um, any one per you know anybody who's on the spectrum I, f- I feel like I have a lot in common with with everyone that's yeah. on the spectrum compared to someone who isn't yeah so and there's just so I just felt so much better about uh, you know having like self-esteem and things were improved yeah after that so. absolutely and um, it was so impactful and I think all of us felt, and for our audience listening, if you have autism and you're listening to this, or if you love someone who has autism and you're listening to this, I want you to know that if Ben can do it, you can do it. And that's what I see and what I feel when I talk to you, Ben, because you just touch lives and you inspire people through your everyday you know, experiences and, and sharing those. So it's, it's a really cool thing. So you can see Ben's video up on our Autism News Network page, which is theautismnewsnetwork.com. He did a couple interviews with us. Um, I remember one of the topics we touched on during your interview was your work. Mm-hmm. Um, and tell us about what you do. <clears throat> so I, I work in a research lab here at uh, MUSC. Yeah. And I'm the lab manager in, in the lab. Um, and You want to give a shout out? Uh, a shout out yeah shout out to Dr. Cowan's lab yes um, <laughs> and I um, I have a, a lot of different responsibilities um, mm-hmm. but uh, but our, our research lab um, one of the topics we we actually uh, study autism in the lab but when I first started working in the lab we we weren't studying autism mm-hmm. so I've worked in this lab for over 10, I think like about 10 years now. Wow. Um, so it's kind of just interesting, you know, it's, it's interesting that, that I, that, that I happen to be uh, an autistic person who's, um, you know, the, you know, working in this lab because it's sort of almost a coincidence. I would say yeah. <laughs> because when I first started working in the lab, we didn't, weren't even studying that. Um, but as far as um, so, as far as my actual job, um, um, I, I, there's just so many di- there's so many different things I do. It would take um, take a while to to explain everything. I do sure. get to work with uh, research animals. I get to work with mice and rats, and I I enjoy that. Yeah. I'm I'm a big I'm a big animal lover, and I think that I think that mice and rats are awesome. Yeah, and, you, you know, so they are. Yeah. And they're they're a lot they're a lot more f- more friendly than people than people realize yeah. until until you've until you worked with them. So is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Especially, I think especially mice. I think that people are f- afraid they're going to get bit be- yeah. by mice, and they're like super super sweet animals. Yeah. Um. Mo- you know, ninety nine percent of them. Sure. And so you guys are doing is it like behavioral research or is it like genetic research or kind of a combination? Yeah, we do actually. Yeah, we do both. Like we do a lot of behavioral uh, research. So like we have like we have an entire um, a suite of different rooms where we test different behaviors. We have mazes mm-hmm. that we could test the mice in. Um, we test for 
you know, locomotor activities see how see how active they are we test for anxiety we have anxiety tests we have fear tests things like that yeah um and then we do yeah and then we also do like stuff on the on the cellular molecular level like studying tissues and things like that as well yeah and so So, you guys will also test mice in like a social situation like if you mm, introduce do, and yeah we do we have like social uh we have a social interaction test to test how they're how they're interacting with other mice it's yeah. like a whole the whole setup that we have for that um and well, yeah one of the genes that we're studying is directly related to autism so mm-hmm. when we study those mice that have that have this the gene the, that's related to it's called mef2 mef2c it's mm-hmm. it's directly related to a form of of autism uh we actually see some of the um some of those behaviors um, that you see in the human patients that have the, the disease, you see wow. them in mice. It's not the exact same, but there's sure. um, a lot of the same types of behaviors. Yeah. Uh, so in terms of understanding autism on a genetic le- level and a cellular level, we work with animals, and the ultimate goal is, of course, bring new treatments to humans, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the ultimate goal. Yeah. And so that you work with a group of humans who are all super smart and really, mm-hmm. you know, effective and... Um, but you've had to educate them on the actual autism condition and what it's like, yes. right? How'd you do that? Well, actually, I think the way that I was really able, like the the best thing that I was able to do was actually when I did the um, the interview mm-hmm. with the Autism News Network, I shared it with everyone that I work with. Wow. And that was a way for me to well, I had—I mean, I had already—I think everyone knew at that point because I had come out. I had mentioned it to everyone yeah. uh, before that. Um, but that was a way for me to share it in a way that was natural. Mm-hmm. This seemed natural, like you know, here's a video that I that that you can go watch where I'm sitting there talking about yeah. my, you know, it's just a very, a very easy and natural way for me to share, share it with everyone. And it made it very easy for me to, yeah. to so I, I'm really thankful for the, for the autism news network for give, for having, you know, giving me that option to, and I also shared it with my family, which I had never, I had never talked. I had maybe once or twice talked to my mom and sister yeah. about it, and I shared the video with them uh, a, a little bit. I actually waited a while to share it with them, but mm-hmm. I eventually did uh, share the video with them, and they watched it. Yeah, what did they say about it? They had really good things to say, and they just it. I felt like for the first time, my my mom and my sister really understood who I was because, mm-hmm. like, growing up, they I mean they. I had so so much trouble with everything, mm-hmm. and it was just a constant like, "What is wrong with like, what is going on? What's wrong yeah. with him? Why 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 is everything a disaster?" Um, and that I feel like now they understand who I am. Like actually, yeah, they they I think they went and did some did some reading and yeah, read some things about not only who you are but also what a struggle it was. And also that you were doing an A plus job of, you know, battling through all the challenges. And I think a lot of people from afar would be like, "Hey, what's wrong?" Well, 
a lot of things are right, but they don't make the news or the headlines. It's like all we can see is, hey, why is he playing sports? Why is he depressed? Why, you know? So, yeah, I think we see a lot of patients who are doing amazing, you know, but the by the world standards, they're not quote measuring up, you know. Yeah, the one one thing that makes me feel really happy is knowing that things are a lot different now for young children growing up that mm-hmm. are similar to me. Yeah. I think that most almost all of them are going to have a much better experience and they're going to be diagnosed and they're going to probably be put into programs or the, the you know uh you know at the, I think the the their school's going to know about it and support. yeah, support yeah. at, at their school and I had none of that. <laughs> right. And it was horrible and I yeah. wouldn't wish that on anyone so yeah yeah um absolutely and you're you're doing a great job at raising awareness as we speak you know because we're going to share this and i know it's going to inspire people um and yeah it's it's amazing um so in terms of the future what do you see for yourself going forward well um I like things to stay the same. <laughs> yeah, Ch- change is not like, your friend. I don't like change. So, if 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 I could if I could have it any way, I would have everything just be the exact same as it is right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, so hopefully everything is just just um, you know. Um, I uh, so I, I you know I, I like working in this lab. Um, I like I do I do like the job. Um, so I plan to just continue doing this and just doing what I'm doing now. Yeah. Um, if I, I, it would be, it would be really great if at some point in my life there was like some type of like some type of advancement or improvement with you know how how ought you know how we're sort of. Um, how how people with autism are sort of functioning in society? Yeah, because it's just I, I just wish there was a way for us to to f- find jobs that are well suited for us in our mm-hmm. abilities and for people to see our good qualities during an interview. Yep. Because um, I can tell you, because right now the one of the biggest issues is just. A lot of the qualities that employers are looking for in, an, in a job interview are things yeah. that that you don't see on the outside. And somebody like myself, like when I if I go in for a job interview, I'm not gonna like most of the things they're looking for. I'm not gonna have like chari- like ch- charisma, being like outgoing, mm-hmm. and um, I do consider myself to be a very friendly and nice person. Yes, you are, and I can tell people that, and yeah. and. But you know, but are they going to be able to see that during right. a job interview? I, so I, I just I, I wish there was a there was like a, a like a system in place yeah. or something like that. So if something like that could happen sometime in my life, I would be, make me really happy. Like yeah. I know it's definitely it's probably not going to happen tomorrow. But yeah, um, I remember um, like in your workplace, you just mentioned change, um, and. I, it makes me kind of laugh, but not really. But like these interns, summer interns come in, you know, on, on academic campuses. Yes. And for you, it's good to have the extra help, but then also it's definitely an adjustment, right? Yeah, it is. And, you know, I've actually developed 
a strategy that's just really helped me with those types of things. And I would actually give this advice to like any to any autistic person who's mm -hmm. going into a job. Uh, for, if you're starting a new job, or even if you're a job that you've that you've already at, mm -hmm. is this is something that took me a while, like such a long time to 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 learn and it's uh, kind of a skill to develop. But just always be positive and friendly to everyone that you work with, and like emails especially is 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 where you can really make a difference with when you're sending. If you're at a job where you send emails to people, mm -hmm. if you always uh, how try to try to sound very nice and positive, mm -hmm. and I even like use emojis and things in my emails now. Sure. And then, um, then people tend to re to respond in a positive way to you. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> I found that I've been able to avoid uh, having difficult uh, interact. It's helped me to avoid having like difficult interactions with people. Yeah. When I'm just always making an effort to be nice and friendly and it's it's not an easy thing to do it, it takes practice and you kind of have to force yourself yeah it's like putting an exclamation it. mark at the end of a sentence to like show yes. enthusiasm use yeah. yeah i use a lot of exclamation marks i use emojis mm -hmm. and at first when i started doing it it was very awkward yeah <laughs> it's not my it's not i wouldn't say that's my natural in, like personality right but but when you but when you force yourself to do it it sort of becomes your natural it, it does yeah. become your per yeah, like it becomes you yeah when you do when you do when you do it when and you that, make yourself do it and that right there is growth and development <clears throat> you know like you mentioned earlier that yeah. you're constantly growing um and then i don't know if you'd be willing to share with the audience like I think you've received some support at work. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're doing your job and you're yes. doing your job really well, but, but there is some support that you asked for. Can yes. you tell us about that? <clears throat> well, I am, one of the things is that I, it's, it's really important for me to have a, um, a quiet place where I can focus. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the, one of the changes that, that I had needed to request at one point point in the last couple of years. Mm -hmm is I was having trouble focusing on, on work because if people were talking around me, mm -hmm. um, my brain would just, I, it, was, it was like it would just stop working. I couldn't focus on anything. And it, it was a very frustrating experience to, to feel like I had work I needed to do and I just couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. Because, <clears throat> so the noise, for, so noise for, for me is, is a big issue. Um, so having a, um, and also for me, uh, I need to. Um, it's hard. I, uh, it's hard for me to have people like sitting close to me. Like I feel yeah. like I need like personal space as sure. well. Um, so that so that was a, a thing that really helped me when I was able to. So that was a change that was made. Another thing that's that's important for me is um, just having a person at at my job that I can come and talk to if I'm having any sort of issue with like any type of interactions yeah um and i've i've had that uh over the past couple of years That's um awesome. i've had someone i can go and say you know i you know this i this person came and asked me this or told and you know what what do i do or how do you how, right. how should i handle this or can you talk to them for me you know some and sometimes this person might talk talk to the person for me and help yeah so um that, I think that's really important is being able to have somebody to to talk to. And that's that's why I think that it's so, I mean, 
being open about the fact that you're autistic when you're when you're at a job, <clears throat> I'm realizing for me is is pretty much crucial. Right. Because it just it just doesn't really work. If, you know, yeah, you like, can't get help if you don't yeah, ask for and it. And people yeah. don't understand you. People yeah. don't understand who why you are the way you are if, right. if if you don't come out and say that you're autistic yeah so and and you're doing the work it's just we all need support everyone needs support yeah. and uh, we had a young man on here uh, a couple of weeks ago patrick who got his eagle scout yes he had some support but he got the eagle scout and he did all the work yeah. he just needed a little bit of support yes yeah. and um yeah that I, th- I think it's hard as 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 human beings we struggle all of us struggle to ask for help and I, I give you props for that and it takes a lot of heart to do that thank but, you but I'm, yeah I'm glad it was well received and you you are so the person is very um, encouraging and supportive and yes that's huge yeah. that's great and um, did you do like a little um, talk to your coworkers at one point yes yeah um, so we have several people in our lab who we so we have a, we have um, several areas of research in our lab, yeah. um, and we have a, f- a few people who are focused on studying autism. And then one of the researchers in our lab was doing a presentation uh, related to her autism research mm-hmm. from the lab, and I emailed her and my boss and asked if I could share a story before her presentation about that's related to um, to my autism and it, it specifically was about how um, the issues that I have with noise and sounds and mm-hmm. um, and sensory issues and things like that and actually the, the, sh- the story I shared was was um, how I deal with noise at my apartment where I live in my you know my personal life not um but so I, I shared that story and I was I was very nervous. My voice was s- super shaky for the first probably well the entire time. But I'll it was bet. extremely bad for about five minutes. I could barely talk. But then I finally, you know, there was a lot of and there was like a actually a pretty large number of people yeah in that room when I was sharing that story and it was probably like fifteen to twenty people in the room. Wow. So it was very um, it was it was scary, but. Uh, be, being able to share that story um, felt good. Uh, was good because then, um, when when a researcher is sharing their their uh, re- their autism research, then then it's it's very you know it's very open and out you know out in the open that I'm you know yeah. a person with autism who's sitting there in the room with everyone and watching this presentation, yeah. and I'm. You know, I'm autistic, and I'm sitting here and you know and watching it just with everyone else. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I really think it really hits home, and that's just a wonderful illustration. It yeah. and it, it really does touch people and inspires them to do the great work that they do. Yeah. Um, so cool. So yeah, this has been the Autism News Network podcast. We thank you for joining us, Ben. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Dr. Gwinnett. Uh, yeah, Ben Zerlin uh, from the Medical University of South Carolina. This has been a great time talking to you. We need to do this again. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. There's lots to talk about. And um, you can follow me at Dr. Gwinnett, D-R-G-W-Y-N-E-T-T-E, on 
Twitter, and Instagram. And please check out our website, theautismnewsnetwork.com, where you can see lots of great content, not only first-person interviews and videos, but also some guest speakers as well. We interview experts in the field of autism, and we update our content uh, all the time. So we hope that you'll join us again on a future Autism News Network podcast. Have a great day.